And so I need to start building that belief and have them see themselves and feel into that future and create that, you know, healthy, strong, happy, energized self, that version of them that lives somewhere in the future. I need to help them create that mentally and emotionally and then start drawing that in. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I'll clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I'll clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Art and Business of Meditation podcast. I am your host, and today we have special guest Brian Hardy. Brian is a certified nutritional practitioner and holistic lifestyle coach. After nearly dying from misdiagnosed rupture appendix at age 18, Brian began a quest to rebuild his health, get back his energy, and overcome feeling like he had the body and energy of someone five times his age. His past 10 years have been an experience of study, experimentation, self-healing, facilitating, and sharing the truth about health that has given Brian a firsthand education in all things nutrition, supplementation, stress mitigation, and in particular, how these relate to men's health and our ability to recover from stress and grow stronger. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, brother, for having me. I'm excited to drop in. Brian, you have a story that is different than mine, for sure, and different than, well, let's say that, not even different than many people. I think many people have a health crisis in some ways that might bring them to a greater understanding or knowledge or shift their paths. And so anything you want to expand on from the your introduction or your the story that might be helpful for just setting the context of why you do what you do now? Yeah. And like you said, I think it is very common, the whole like wounded healer archetype, right? And that our wound or our pain becomes the gateway to our gift. And that is certainly true for me. And I would not change my path for anything, even though it was excruciatingly painful at times. And uh, so much so that, you know, I thought about maybe, maybe, you know, ending my life now would be a viable option. And this was very temporary and not like a persistent, I wouldn't say I was suicidal, but I did have that awareness come through my mind at different points uh, when the pain was very intense. And so I just say that to help others who are listening, you out there listening, yes, you, if you're feeling overwhelmed or under a load that you don't know if you can bear, the fact that you're here and listening to this and living means that you can, in fact, bear that load. And, uh, just to know that you're not alone and that it is in every case that I've seen, if we're open to it, it is those most challenging experiences that often are the catalyst for leading us exactly to where we're supposed to be. And so I really celebrate when I connect with others and they share, even if they're still in the midst of that painful episode or that painful season, I really try my best to bring levity and celebration energy to a point being being obviously sensitive to where they're at. But helping them to really uh, feel into and and know at a deep level that nothing's wrong with them. They're not broken. You know, they're not like, you know, doing it all wrong. And that's why they're being punished or something like that. But rather that this is life attempting to escort them, initiate them into a deeper sense of purpose and, uh, and direction. And uh, yeah, so if you're, if you're at that place, and you're tuning into this, then you're in the right place. Um, and keep going is what I would say. Beautiful, man. That was uh, amazing to just remind everyone that the mess is our message, that going through our darkness, so we find the seeds of whatever gift we want to bring to the world. And so it sounds like if you were to talk about going into your darkness, into your cave, moving through your whole health crisis, what is the gift that you have found that you're now sharing it with others? Yeah. And I mean, I could probably talk for a long time about the the the, the assortment of gifts, as I'm sure you can as well. Like, they just keep unfolding and there's always more layers. But in a big picture sense, I would say for me, at this current point, it is a 
uh, a deep understanding of what it takes to really fuel our bodies and take care of our bodies. So we can feel good, be strong, perform well, sleep well, you know, have uh, energy, have libido, have creativity, and just feel good as a general baseline, like a really great standard for ourselves. And, uh, and then to make that simple enough and easy enough and accessible enough for the average person to be able to both, you know, grasp and mentally comprehend and understand, uh, but also start taking those steps right towards that. And so I really focus my work on being utterly practical and grounded and down to earth uh, in the sense of whatever it is we're talking about, I want you to feel like, you know, nine times out of 10, you can take this and go and implement it immediately and feel successful and build momentum. And then just keep stacking those things upon each other. Whereas uh, earlier in my journey, and I've seen this a lot as well reflected through others, is that before we've kind of had enough experience, we can get lost. And I was there for time, get lost in the headiness of things and all the ideas and just want to throw all the ideas at somebody, which is just overwhelming, right? It's just too much and it's not uh, digestible. And so making somewhat complex health issues and, you know, um, the things people are going through, making that both simple enough to understand, but also grounding in practical steps that we can take. That's, uh, that's where I put my focus. And that's where that's the, the consistent feedback that I get from folks is, oh, now, you know, now I get it. You know, you explained that in a way that no one had, you know, explained to me before, which helps them to both understand that their body is not broken, and their body is actually working really well for them, given the circumstances, um, but also that they ultimately have the power to move in this more, uh, you know, regenerating and revitalizing direction and to see that, you know, take root in every aspect of their lives. So that's, I think that's how I would summarize my, uh, my sort of where it's led me, where that whole process of pain to purpose and, you know, messed to message has, has, has led me. Yeah. And I'm imagining there's a lot in between. So what was the catalyst to know that, okay, I've went through this thing and now I'm going to help others that might be going through something similar, help others not feel the pain that I felt. Was it, was it a mentor? Was it, you know, a book that you were reading? Was it just like this inner knowing that, okay, I need to, this is going to be my quote unquote career, my business or my life. Like how, how did that process of because it sounds like you were 18 at the time so it's still in like right in this ripe phase of like what am i going to do with my life so you know all this happening at this one point so yeah take us it might all be mm -hmm. the catalyst but like was there a moment where you're like okay i'm putting up my my shingle as as i'm doing this or was it a little bit more step by step well, i think i think the genesis of this being my focus and my direction was so I was studying automotive engineering technology, so totally outside of alternative wellness and health. And during that, as I was recovering from the appendix rupture and the surgery and the antibiotics and that whole mess, my mom was going through breast cancer treatment, and my grandma had just passed with Alzheimer's and dementia. And uh, and I had already seen multiple family members die of cancer or rather, in my opinion, die of cancer treatment. That's certainly what sped up their demise. But I had seen enough examples of people very close to me, people who I loved, who their bodies were just like breaking down. You know, their health was deteriorating. They weren't that old either. And it seemed very rapid. You know, it's like uh, in the case of my uncle, who was the first like cancer victim or cancer experiencer that I have witnessed, it seemed like one day we're hearing, you know, okay, Uncle Rich has got cancer, which was skin. Uh, you know, they tested a mole on his arm, which turned out to be skin cancer. And the next thing you know, it's metastasized to his brain. He's done multiple rounds of chemo. He's like withered away and then died shortly after. And uh, obviously that was very hard to see and to witness and to see someone you love so dearly go through that. And then to see, okay, now my mom is having the same label applied to her. And uh, the stress of that really drove me to become obsessed with understanding why is this happening, right? Clearly something's wrong. I, I don't believe, I knew innately, uh, even subconsciously, that we're not built 
to be diseased. Like we're not designed to, to, to suffer and struggle. And I think that knowing was just like in my DNA at some level. And uh, so that drove me to basically commit all of my attention and energy and focus to understanding, you know, health, nutrition, why these things are happening. Um, and also it was enough of a, a painful and stressful experience to think, okay, I want to figure out what I can that I could then offer to those around me uh, to, to help them navigate these, you know, diagnosis, you know, disease diagnoses in a bit more of a actual health focused manner, right? Not just um, sort of like relent to the disease management model. And so at that time, I really just had this, had this health waking up, you could say. And I started looking around at my university campus and seeing, um, or college campus, if you're in the U.S., uh, same place, and seeing, um, you know, the majority of the students had dark bags under their eyes. They were drinking, you know, their, their Tim Hortons sugary coffee uh, and like muffins and things. And uh, I was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is actually insane. This is the norm. This, this like pre-disease declining health status is the norm. And that just didn't make sense to me. So that was the genesis. I then switched out of that program to study health sciences, thinking about like a some sort of um, naturopathic or chiropractic doctor um, pathway. Um, but then decided that wasn't for me either because of the seven more years of school and many hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt before I could even start seeing people and helping people. Um, so I ultimately took uh, maybe a more accelerated path into the health coaching and nutrition uh, route. But that was definitely the genesis was just my own experience and thinking, okay, how much suffering could I have alleviated had I known better? And then applying that to those around me and wanting to see that suffering alleviated uh, and knowing that it was possible. Um, and so helping others to to prevent the unnecessary suffering, because I think some suffering is necessary for most of us on our path, uh, but to prevent the unnecessary suffering became a real goal. And I found that through something like being a holistic nutritionist and a health coach allowed me direct, you know, to directly sort of attack and go after that and do so without, you know, almost a decade worth of schooling, additional schooling and a ton of debt before I could even start. It's interesting that your previous career interest was in kind of automotive engineering and just metaphorically seeing this like other body, this other body, which is this mechanical vehicle and figuring and tinkering and, and how that operates at its at its most efficient. And then it kind of moves into this physical human body. And it sounds like it's it's very different, of course, but it's almost like there's there's a curiosity of like a thread that almost seems very similar of like, okay, now I'm going to actually figure out what's happening in the human body that is either uh, oil is getting gunked, so to speak, or, you know, things aren't moving in the way that it's going to be moving. So I just love just hearing kind of how your interest metaphorically kind of mapped out in this new way. Um, I'm sure you're a fan or study or know of Gabor Mate and, you know, his work around body and, and stress and, you know, disease connection. And so what to maybe a lay person who, who hasn't read any Gabor Mate or is maybe newer to kind of the brain body connection, the, the stress, health, disease connection, like what is, what is, what is, counterintuitive to how maybe traditional western medicine focuses its attention and that's probably a you probably can write a book on that topic but um <laughs> anything that anything that might be helpful to like talk about this kind of mind and disease and stress relation yeah it's a great question and of course it does open a, a large area of discussion for me and this is particularly relevant for me because after my surgery for the ruptured appendix, I developed a tremendous amount of scar tissue through my center line, through around my, my abdominal organs. And uh, that's something I have to continually work on breaking down through manual therapy techniques um, so that it doesn't sort of bung me up and, and kink the hose of my intestines, which has happened and is extremely painful. And that's called a small bowel obstruction uh, medically. But so why I bring that up 
is because fascia, connective tissue, which is this thin layer that wraps around our entire body. It holds everything together. It holds our organs. It actually conducts electrical signals as well. And we, there's we it, a few things. So we, we uh, theorize, and there's good evidence for this, that it also um, is how the qi meridians flow in Chinese medicine is through fascia. As well, emotional energy gets stuck in fascia because emotional energy has an actual electrical charge and that, that it gets lodged in our tissues when we're unable to process trauma. And, you know, like an animal who shakes it off, like a dog will shake off a stressful event immediately and not carry that the way we do. Um, we hold on to that in our connective tissue. And um, it, uh, it can lock us into these really weird physical positions and stressful positions of like hunching forward or having our shoulders up all the time uh, or never breathing deep, right? This shallowness of breath because we're restricting and we're constricting because we're holding what's essentially emotional stress in our physical tissues. And so I bring that up because fascia is still not that well appreciated. It's only recently that they stopped discarding it as waste material when they would do dissections of human bodies and different uh, cadavers and so forth, because they were just after the muscles and the organs and the veins. And just, what is all this stuff? Let's just get this stuff out of here and study the things that are important in kind of traditional Western reductionist thinking, you know, throwing out the whole uh, and missing the key details to try and isolate everything. And so um, the more we understand fascia and connective tissue, the more it gives us literal physical access to held emotions, to traumatic experiences that are actually, you know, tucked away someplace in our tissues. And uh, the people who do rolfing, which is a structural uh, sort of integration and hands-on therapy, would say that the issues are in the tissues. Right. And people who've had massage or done deep stretching oftentimes will have spontaneous emotional releases or spontaneous uprising of emotions, uh, which can be very, um, it can really catch you off guard if you're not expecting that. And you can think, what's going on? What's wrong? You know what's happening? Um, but it really, it's your body's intelligence sensing safety and openness to the degree that it can let those things move through the system. And so all we have to do in those cases is stay present and breathe and relax and not judge it and not freak out and not think something's wrong. And it typically passes in a, in a few minutes, if that. And so that for me is one of the areas that really deserves more and more attention is this connection between fascia, stored emotional energy, uh, stored trauma and how that interfaces with the mind body and how we can get direct access to a lot of those things and more quickly move that stuff out of the system rather than something like just talk therapy, which can be great, right? And I've benefited from talk therapy modalities, but if we do, if we can't ground it in our bodies, then we're going to be sort of held at a certain level of what I would describe as inner freedom. Right? Because when you are actually free from those stuck emotions and that stiffness and that constriction, and you can breathe fully, and you can you can actually relax and be present, uh, that to me is where it's like the genesis. It's like the starting point of true inner freedom. So yeah, that's that's an area that I love to dive into and to share more about and to empower others to you know, start poking around, seeing what's tender, seeing what's tight, seeing what's being held in an awkward kind of fashion and see if that doesn't free up some of the mental stress uh, when you're able to release that physical tension through the body. There's a really interesting practice called tension release exercise or trauma release exercise. I think it's it's talked about differently sometimes, but I did one through a men's coaching training that I was a part of where they had the founder of this TRE come and I actually was the volunteer who got to lay down and um, you, you like bring your knees together and you lift your hips. You you do a few things and it's so easy to get into. It almost is like surprising how easy it is to get into. And all of a sudden you're, you create these tremors in your body. So you're like, you're just, and you can send these tremors like to areas that are feeling uncomfortable or areas that maybe are just asking for more attention and it just starts to like 
you know, shake and release. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting just how our body naturally can do that. Just giving a, giving the recognition and to put ourselves in intentionally spaces to like, let it release some of that in a very physical uh, somatic way is, is super powerful. And, and just one more thing came up as you were talking about the fascia and like doctors discarding it. it and I'm not, this is not my field of, of expertise and I don't tend to read these type of books but I heard Rick Rubin the music producer because he had a recent book come out he talks about his story in this book reading Andrew Wheel's book or just not even reading his book but I think he had this moment of like questioning a surgery and he goes and he he picks up a book and he kind of uses it almost like a, a reading and he picks up a page because the doctor was trying to tell him he didn't need his, maybe it was an appendix, like maybe it was like some, or a, a, whatever they normally maybe take out. Cause it's like, Oh, we don't need this. And the book says like, you know, Andrew Weil uh, says that if a doctor ever says that, like, you don't need a part of your body, like, like question that, like, like the, and it's like, so it, when you think of it, it feels so obvious. It's like, we've evolved to with this body like why would there be anything that's not supposed to be in our body that would that would be would be better without it in our body like it's it's millions of years of evolution for all the things that we have in our body probably has some purpose so to start stripping things away doesn't <laughs> doesn't really on a very like simple level level and this is again beyond my scope of of understanding but in my just simple mind of it it's like oh yeah that that makes a lot of a lot of sense yeah. Yeah. And it's the, you know, it's like the cut slash burn approach to medicine of just, if it's diseased, just yank it out. Right. Which obviously never gets to the root because there's a reason the thing is diseased. And you're probably referring to the gallbladder. That's the thing. Most people, except for the appendix, which the appendix, okay. Once it starts being inflamed, it's pretty hard to, re to re um, reverse that process. Um, and removal seems, you know, for most people, like a necessary thing to do. Uh, but the gallbladder is taken out so willy-nilly, right? And it's like, oh, I have my gallbladder removed. Um, and, you know, doctors aren't giving them advice on what to do to make sure that their, their bile and their fat digestion actually, you know, works properly from that point forward. Uh, because for those who aren't versed in anatomy, the gallbladder holds bile, which breaks down fat. And uh, it's essential. Anytime we eat something fatty, we get a little squirt of bile and it helps us to absorb that fatty goodness. And um, yeah, so it's it's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. That that's still like, you know, 2023 mainstream Western medicine still will default to those things. And it's not, you know, the doctor, the individual doctor's fault. That's just what they're trained in. Um, but it's certainly for me and for the kind of people that want to live a really long and healthy and vital and youthful life, you want to preserve as much of your tissue as, uh, as possible for sure. How would you start with someone if they said they were going to start working with you? And maybe it's obviously super unique to what that specific person's issue is, but I'm just curious, like how you typically start working with someone? Is it is it uh is it figuring out what supplements would be supportive for them is it diet is it you know a b and c yeah take us wherever that goes yeah so first it's a lot of information gathering so i have quite a lengthy intake uh, process to get a ton of background and history and context so i'm not just sort of shooting in the dark and that only happens after an initial 30-minute sort of call and, and getting a sense for where they're at and seeing if I can even help them. And so at that point, if I can't help them, okay, fill out these forms, and then we'll hop back on a, a call. Um, and then from that process, it's usually quite obvious where they where what I call the low-hanging fruit uh, lies. And that would be, and because my, my work is program-based and it's over a matter of months to really create long-term change, um, the low-hanging fruit that I most often see is, you know, drinking more water, uh, sleeping, you know, at a regular schedule and not like, you know, beyond midnight, um, eating actual like food throughout the day. So not like starving yourself and having one massive, like just really unbalanced meal at the end of the day which a lot of people do because they're stressed out and working all day. So it's those things. It's like, okay, let's give your body fuel 
at regular intervals. Let's make sure you're hydrated. Let's make sure you're sleeping, right? Maybe we'll talk about breathing. Maybe we'll talk about uh, chewing your food thoroughly, which most people don't do. And yeah, I would say 90 plus percent of people, their first steps are going to be one of those things. And then before that, I should say, which ties into more of, you know, this meditation and mindfulness uh, side of things is I need to know that they believe that they can get to where they want to go. Right. And I can help them build that belief because I've seen it happen many times. Um, So I know it's possible, but many people, if they've really struggled for a long time, they have almost given up you know, the idea that they could actually be free of whatever that their condition might be. And so I need to start building that belief and have them see themselves and feel into that future and create that, you know, healthy, strong, happy, energized self, that version of them that lives somewhere in the future. I need to help them create that mentally and emotionally and then start drawing that in. Um, because if they don't do that, if we don't address their self-image and their, their level of belief, we can do all the best things nutritionally, through exercise, through lifestyle, et cetera. And the moment they don't have someone like holding their hand or the moment something stressful happens or something throws them off course, they're going to default to what's comfortable and what's familiar. Um, and that's going to be their like unwell state, right? That they've learned and practiced for many years. And so uh, the the first thing is always planting that seed of like, there is a really healthy, vital version of you and there's somewhere in the future and we're going to, we're going to get there. We're going to collapse the distance between here and, and there. Um, and I don't know when exactly it's going to happen, but it will happen. And so I need you to expect that and look forward to that and remind yourself of that every single day um, as we do these more, you know, day-to-day practical actions. Got to believe it before we see it. And so, so much that applies to, to whatever, we are working on and it and it and it can expand like the belief doesn't have to be the most grandest thing but there is some energy in feeling in your body like yes this is possible like i believe it in my experience and and tends to open up a little bit clearer and like you said having our own self motivation when things aren't going right i was wondering i'm sure you're familiar with it but i don't know how um, educated you are on it. Do you, or do you know human design or do you like have understanding of human design? I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm actively kind of learning my own design right now. So I might have like a decent big picture view, but I'm in no means an expert in terms of breaking down all the different pieces and numbers. Um, but I've, I've seen it to be really accurate for myself. That's for sure. What are you? I am a generator. Generator. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've learned human design and we're talking about energy here and human design is like a map of our energy in a a very simple way that it's described as and certain types have a different energy profile that's based just on like their type and so where energy is moving I guess in their body or I don't know it's it's I'm not the most understood of it but I did know when I learned about my type which is a manifester which is a non-sacral being, uh, which means like I don't have this energy center that generators have. I learned that actually I have these periods where I can't work long stretches or I am more tired and it doesn't, and it's like, I feel that too. Like I don't, I can't go from, nine to five, even though I try and sometimes work like that, but I find I do have a burst of energy in the in the morning. Um, and I tend to severely um, shift off. And then I've always doubted, I was like, man, like some people seem like they have just more energy than me. And so I'm asking, I'm, I'm bringing this in and asking this question because is there people where they are just, they have a different level of energy and how much can like the physical health up that energy if maybe they actually are this type and i know these are two different schools converging so i'm just yeah be curious maybe it's something you haven't really thought about but it's something i think about it's like if i were to come try to get my energy more vital like am i rearranging deck chairs on the titanic like is it just not my type like am i doing my best with the type i have but if i was a different type maybe i am missing my energy so 
Um, that's a question that came up when I was preparing to to chat with you today. Yeah, and I think we're going to find more and more clarity and greater understanding around these things because human design is relatively new to human consciousness um, as a system for understanding. And from what I understand, at some point, we will evolve out of it. And so without putting unnecessary limits or preconceived ideas on what's possible, what I know to be true is that we are sort of unhinged from our natural design. And what I mean by that is, are we getting sunlight in the morning? Are we being grounded electrically? Are we consuming adequate amounts of not just, you know, calories and proteins and things, but also vitamins and minerals, right? And minerals are like the spark plugs of our cells. Without them, we can't produce energy. And so if those things aren't happening, right? So like if you're say eating like a standard American diet and you're not supplementing with extra minerals, you're going to have a certain, you know, ceiling of energetic potential just because your cells don't have the raw materials needed to generate that energy. And so it's kind of like a both and like all of us will have our own built in tendencies, patterns, habits, uh, limitations for how much we can push ourselves or how much we can, um, how much energy we can cultivate, whether through physical means, meditation, nutrition, et cetera. And there's just certain kind of fundamental pieces that if those aren't in play, I would expect you to experience more of whatever you're already experiencing, right? So say you have a burst in the morning that lasts for two hours, maybe it lasts for two and a half or three or three and a half, right? And then you need to recoup, right? So I, I think the pattern will probably stay the same, and I imagine you take fairly good care of yourself, just knowing, you know, what kind of work you're doing, the world you operate in, but there's always more, right? There's always a little bit more we can get out of the system. And so, yeah, I would expect it to be something that you can directly influence. And whether that means you just, you know, have a bit more productivity in your day, or you can exercise a little bit more, um, be a little bit more active and still bounce back and feel good. Yeah, that's going to be determined based on the individual. But there's always there's always areas that we're usually knowingly or unknowingly leaking energy. And that's just because of the, the environments that we live in, right? We breathe stale air. We live in artificial lighting most of the time. Um, we're exposed to a tremendous amount of Wi-Fi and cell phone radiation, all these different things. Um, and food that's you know toxic or nutrient depleted. And so there's ways we can mitigate all those stresses, um, at least to a large extent but it is still going to have an impact. So I want to shift gears to how you've developed your business. And you mentioned that you've had many uh, pitfalls and stumbling blocks and mishaps. And so maybe starting with one of those that that sticks out that uh, that might be helpful for our listeners to hear. Yeah, so I think the first one that comes to mind is just, and mo I see this very common when we're starting something new, we're kind of going out on our own, right? We're saying, we're like planting our flag in the ground. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is, you know, the service I'm providing. Oftentimes there's just a, a period of hesitation, excuse me, that takes place between when that mental decision and the clarity comes that, okay, this is what I want to do. And then actually starting to do it because in my case, I was overthinking right? I'm analyzing what could go wrong. You know, how am I going to price this? Are people going to want it? You know, how to have the conversations around money, all these kinds of things that I think really just slowed me down. And so for me, it was like throwing speed bumps on the road in front of me, even though the path was smooth. And so just overthinking and overanalyzing and trying to solve problems before they actually emerge and wasting a lot of time doing that was a big thing for me, which still crops up from time to time if I'm not careful. And so shifting from this, like trying to make it perfect and trying to, you know, do everything we can to prevent some future potential of failure or embarrassment or whatever, which all of those things are going to teach us more than anything right? Like trying something and being embarrassed or failing is going to really teach you very quickly, you know, what not to do, which is super valuable, especially as an entrepreneur, right? You need that, I would say. So overthinking, trying to make things perfect, being too slow to go from, um, you know, the idea to the implementation, 
um, and thinking that it has to be, you know, perfectly thought through and perfectly smooth when I'm just getting started. And so on the flip side of that, and this came through a lot of mentors and reading and listening to other podcasts and seeing examples of what other people were doing and that was working for them was giving myself kind of the, the breathing room and the grace to both make mistakes, but also to figure it out as I went, right? Like have a little bit of a template or a little bit of an idea, but then figure it out as you go and adapt and make different decisions and make different choices and, you know, tell the people that you're serving, hey, I'm just getting started with this. So don't be, you know, surprised if things are a little bit up and down, you know, I'm still here to support you. And we're still going to make sure that you, you know, leave this experience with such and such result to the best of my ability, but not wasting time trying to make things perfect or overly polished or overly smoothed when you're just getting started. That was probably the, the biggest thing looking back that just, just cost me a lot of time and a lot of unnecessary, again, un- unnecessary overthinking, you know, that sense of struggle and frustration, which back to human design, my not self theme is frustration, right? So when I'm not acting in accordance with my sort of design or template, uh, I get frustrated. Was there a moment in this figuring it out? Or I'm sure there was a moment, but maybe to share like the story of a moment where things, the stars aligned or just like a moment of like, ah, I'm, I'm doing it or connection or just the fulfillment maybe that comes from finding our path and, and, and helping others and actually like finding success in it, finding it like start to, oh, something's working. Like, is there, is, is there a moment that sticks out for you? Yeah. So one of my first clients when I graduated nutrition school uh, was a guy named JP. And this is, he's allowed me to publicly share his testimonial. So this is out there, but um, he was going through autoimmune uh, disease of the spine called ankylosing spondylitis, which is fusing of the like ligaments of the spine into bone, which can be very painful. And I knew from my experience at that point that autoimmunity is typically driven from a leaky gut or a digestive issue at the, at the root of it. And so I put him on a 10-week basically gut cleanse to kill bacteria, yeast, viruses, clean his gut entirely, put him on a super clean diet, um, get, him doing, get him doing gentle exercise again. Because when, I, when he first came to me, he was very tired. He was hooked on sugar and caffeine to get through the day. And he couldn't really do the exercise that he wanted to. He really enjoyed yoga. He enjoyed cycling. He enjoyed biking. And his pain level and energy level just couldn't accommodate that for him. And so him and his wife, um, they, did it, they did it together and they did amazingly and they really stuck to this plan. Um, and so by the time he was complete, the entire program was 12 weeks, but after 10 weeks, he was, he was complete of the whole sort of gut reset portion. And his pain had gone from like a 10 to like a one or a two. He was way more energized. He had kicked sugar and he never thought he'd be free of sugar addiction. He thought like, I'm just going to be, you know, this is my life. I'm just going to always love sugar and need sugar. And so to see him and her, but him mostly had that experience, which I had had a similar experience when I healed my own gut years, years, years uh, previous. Um, But to see him have that and to see just this embracing of a whole new way of life that he was able to do in that short period uh, and carry that forward to me was like, okay, like, this is why, you know, and I still remember like having the phone call with him and like getting the check-in of where he was at and how much improvement he was having and just being like, yes, yes. Like so overjoyed that it worked and he worked it. Um, and that he, you know, he got what he came for and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was sort of one of the first major feathers in my cap, but also just a really powerful affirmation that like you're doing, you're, you know, you're on the right path. People are benefiting tremendously from this. You're changing lives, you're helping people change their own lives and this stuff works. I know we said we're sticking with business, but I, I need to poke my own curiosity around my caffeine addiction. And I say that literally, it's an addiction. I feel that if I don't have it, and so I need it, I think about when I'm going to have it. 
I, I love and I love and I'm one of those people that also like I'm a coffee snob. I get the you know good beans. I grind it. I do the whole thing. Like I, I, I taste all the the flowery essences of it. And so it's a, it's a thing. It's a ritual. I don't drink alcohol. It's my quote unquote vice. If I if I give myself that permission, um, do you drink coffee? And if you don't, um, how did you shift? What what did you shift to? Yeah. So um, and I guess. I kind of lucked out. So I don't currently drink coffee. I will from time to time throw just a few organic coffee beans into like a smoothie. Um, and I think actually the energetic buzz is a lot better for my system to have just a couple beans rather than brewed coffee. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, but that just is what it is. But my system does often want a little bit, like a microdose of caffeine, like even, you know, 10 to 20 milligrams. Right. So like less than a cup of green tea. And for a few reasons, you know, my genetics make me a slow metabolizer of caffeine. So if I drink a lot of it, I just get wired and like, it's okay if I'm going to go, you know, work out really intensely for an hour or go run five kilometers or like do yard work all day. Can I, cause I can channel that energy, but and I tried for many years to do like the whole keto bulletproof coffee, you know, kind of thing. And at first it felt good. And then it just became, it became dependent and my base level of energy dropped down from what it would be with no stimulation. Um, and that's what I see most often when people eliminate it is that after like a week, they're like, oh, I actually feel better and more stable uh, energetically than having that. Um, or they change to like green tea right? And have coffee as a treat. But uh, it's it's very dependent on genetics. It's very dependent on someone's ability to tolerate stress and how stressed someone is in general. And there's probably even like a, you know, gut bacteria effect to it, like depending on how healthy your gut is. So there's a lot of pieces to it. Um, in general, you know, I, I advise people to be weary of dependence. And to, uh, if they do need it, to aim for the, the minimal effective dose, right? And kind of wean down and then to complement something like caffeine with something from the adaptogenic uh, herb category, like a ginseng or a rhodiola or a ashwagandha or cordyceps mushroom. Uh, these things that actually allow the body to both deal with stress, but produce more energy um, and not have the crash. So there's ways to sort of tweak and play and, you know, do the biohacking uh, part of things um, in terms of like having, having the stimulant, but also, you know, remaining uh, centered. But yeah, I had a very love hate relationship with it. I still love the flavor and the smell. Sometimes I'll just open, you know, a jar of beans and just sniff the beans and that's enough to get my brain going. Um, so I definitely know what it's like um, and do still very much appreciate the aroma and the, the ritual of it. But uh, I have shifted myself to if I'm going to have something, it's probably going to be green tea. Uh, but more often than not, I'm having a medicinal mushroom and cacao kind of a beverage, uh, which has more theobromine rather than caffeine, um, but still provides that nice ritual and that nice little boost of feel good uh, neurochemistry. Yeah, I try to take some breaks. And I say that uh, maybe it's like a couple days a year. So I'm not, I, I know it's something that I, I, I'm intending to do it over. I'm going on a retreat, New Year's planning to like cut caffeine for it. I'm going to do a meditation retreat early mm. next year. Definitely will cut caffeine for that. But it's, it's, yeah, it, it is a baseline. It is this kind of this drug that we all agree upon is okay. And we just kind of, after you do it for so long, it's just getting back to baseline rather than, you know, feeling its effects. I know, I don't know if you read Michael Pollan's, this is your mind on plants, but he talks about caffeine and like how he, when he took a break from it and the first time he had it again, it was almost like a psychedelic experience. Like it was so powerful and potent. It's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah. And you're, you're missing that as with really any addiction that gets um, lessened from use. Brian, you mm -hmm. have an amazing story, one that I've already been sharing because I just, I love it so much of marketing and getting yourself out there in a way that we might think is very old school, but so I'm going to just tee it up and I would love you to tell us about, tell us about your door-to-door -door sales of coaching. 
Yeah, yeah. And just to put a bow on the, the caffeine thing, for anyone who wants to get off it, I highly recommend when you are weaning down and to wean down, don't just cut it cold turkey, um, but as you are weaning down, replacing it with lots of coconut water or fresh green juice. Um, and I mean, to this day, nothing turns my brain on like green juice, like celery, cucumber, apple, these kind of things. And that will replace the hit, the energizing hit that you get from something like coffee and make it a lot easier to transition. Um, so that's you mentioned a, green juice. Are you an AG one fan or on all of these kind of like Organifi green type uh, powdery things? Like, do you, uh, do you, yeah, I'll just pause there. I do like greens. I like uh, spirulina is probably the thing I use the most um, organic spirulina powder. I haven't gone into the AG1 or the Organifi. I think they're great products. I think they have a lot to offer. Being up here in Canada and the exchange rate and taxes and so forth, for me to buy that stuff, I'm paying like two to three times what it's, you know, sort of a dollar per dollar basis as it is in the okay. States. So I just source what's local. Um, but I do like greens powders. Uh, I think they have a lot of benefit. Algae, chlorella, spirulina, these kind of things. Really, really energizing in a in a, in a subtle way. Um, and just good for the system. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, talk to us about door-to-door. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So um, we moved into a place that is uh, sort of like a, a golf course community. Lots of retired folks, older folks, lots of people who you know, could potentially use more health support in a really complimentary kind of holistic sense. And we we did that move at the beginning of COVID just to set the, the backstage. So we weren't able to have like a traditional housewarming, right? Or like a neighborhood barbecue and like invite everybody over and meet people and give hugs and shake hands, which is what I would naturally want to do, um, especially the kind of community it is, you know, it's it's built to to facilitate interaction, right? You can't have a fence in this uh, community, everything's open. So it's both, you know, you, you're limited in terms of privacy, but you're open to interaction. And I, you know, I think that's, there's a lot of goodness to that, especially as you're retired and older and you need more socializing um, or you want to maintain strong social connection, I should say. Uh, and so about a year and a half or two years after we moved here, I, uh, I got the itch to, let me just go around and just introduce myself to everyone here because I'm certain there's at least a few people who, you know, would want or need the kind of help I'm offering and they just don't know that I'm here, right? How could they? I haven't made the effort. They have, you know, we have not connected. And so I went around to all the houses and had business cards and basically a pitch to invite them to a free casual, you know, neighborhood event at our place where we would have a little bit of like an educational discussion-based evening. And so I knocked on the door, introduced myself. Hey, I'm your neighbor. I'm just, you know, I live over there. And, you know, I'm into, uh, I'm a nut- I'm actually a nutritionist and I'm all into all these, all these, you know, weird health things. And we're planning to do this little event and uh, wanted to see first if you were interested in something like that. And second, if you were, which of the following three areas would you most want to learn about? Right. And I had brain health, joint health and heart health as the top as the uh, the options. And so I say that because obviously, if you maybe it's not obvious. And I had sold Christmas cards door to door for a fundraiser in high school to go to a missions trip in Dominican Republic. And that was a much harder sell, even though I was like a cute kid trying to raise money for a good cause. It was just, I was, I had no experience. It's like, okay, good luck. Start, you know, selling these cards door to door. So anyways, that was my first experience. That was many years ago, but uh, to bring it around to now to be effective at building a relationship, which is essentially all we're ever doing in marketing or advertising or reaching out to people or doing events, we're building relationships so they can get to know us and understand what, you know, how we can help them. And so by phrasing it as we're doing this, this fun thing, there's no cost or obligation. Other neighbors are going to be there, right? So social proof, there's going to be people you probably know. It's going to be fun. We're not going to, you know, charge you anything. There's no cost. So making it really attractive to want to say yes, and then letting them have input into what the actual topic would be. So they have a little bit of a sense of ownership and like, oh, I was part of deciding on the topic for the evening. And so it took me a few days to do the whole the whole neighborhood. 
But we ended up doing that event. We had like 10 people come to that event. Uh, someone who couldn't come to that event ended up becoming a client. So that was pretty cool. And uh, more often than not, so going into it, my mind is telling me, what are they going to say? They're going to be frustrated. They're going to think they're going to judge me. Why are you here? What do you want to sell me? Whatever it might be. Um, all these, you know, uh, negative thoughts going through my head. And more often than not, people were either just pleasantly surprised, like, oh, how nice. This young gentleman who's going around and is doing health stuff in the neighborhood. How cool. Right. Because again, most of them are much older than me. And some people who were like totally like taken aback, like, thank you so much for doing this. Like, I really believe in natural health. I really believe in what you're doing. And like, thank you for, you know, doing what you're doing, which to me was like, wow, what a gift, you know, um, that just makes you want to go knock on another 50 doors uh, when you get somebody like that. And so, uh, and the worst response I got was either nobody's there. So you just stand there and wait, or they say, no, I'm not interested. And they're just, you know, rather short and just kind of dismiss the whole thing, which again is very easy to handle. But uh, yeah, I just say that because in a world that's become obsessed with their phones and their screens and their social media and uh, being so unplugged from being human, uh, oftentimes the fastest path to creating new relationships and finding new clients for whatever it is you're doing, personal training, coaching, meditation, you know, coaching, whatever it might be, any service that you're providing people, um, the fastest path often is just going directly to them and starting a conversation and making it be about them and what you can offer them, not about you and having fun with the process, like see it like a video game, right? And like you, you have a little script, you know, know what you're going to say, practice it a few times so you don't just trip over your words, but then enjoy the process and you're going to learn and the script's going to get better and you're going to adjust it and you're going to know what to say and what not to say. And the worst that's going to happen is you're probably going to make a couple friends, right? Or at least have a few people that think, you know, highly of you in the neighborhood um, and that appreciate what you're doing. So yeah, I would say, you know, go for it. Uh, especially if you're just getting started because you'll get direct feedback and it'll be a lot more effective than trying to craft perfect posts on Facebook every day and seeing crickets and being like, no one cares. No one's engaging with my stuff. Oh, this sucks. Um, just bypass that whole thing and go directly to the people. I love this story for two strong reasons. The first is just the self-development practice of having to knock on doors and feel the discomfort and engage with a stranger it's you know, that that discomfort can be so freeing to like feel safe and start to realize the growth that can happen. So that's one reason. And the other reason is so many people I work with talk about not wanting to be on social media or not wanting to to put energy to it, just not feeling it. And so you can copy and paste what Brian just shared. Let's say you're a mindfulness teacher and you want to teach a workshop and and get your your name out there more you know just start doing the work start learning what works is like you can go around and what are the three options people can maybe struggling with maybe it's stress reduction maybe it's um feeling uh disconnected from their relationships um maybe it's you know feeling unfulfilled right and you can just have like hey i'm a mindfulness teacher i'm going to do doing a workshop in the area and you know i i you know want to just disconnect and you know, see if you'd be interested in coming. And if so, like, what are the things that you like? You can copy and paste this what Brian did um, in your own way. So I, I, it's such a a, a beautiful reminder that um, we can do things how things used to be done. And yes, there's going to be a level of uncomfort. People know, go door to door less. Depending on your neighborhood, people might be more uh, resistant to it than other neighborhoods. So it's it's going to depend, but it's also a potential. And if you're listening to this and going, hmm, is this possible for me? Uh, I want to invite you to to try it out and um, send us a message and let, let us know how it goes, because mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear. Yeah. And if you really want to reduce all the risk, uh, go to the nearest nice neighborhood. If you don't classify your neighborhood as nice, um, where people, you know, are the kinds of people that probably have disposable income to put into their wellness or whatever it is you're offering, go to those neighborhoods. And uh, even if they all say no, you're probably never going to see them again, right? So it's like <laughs> there's no risk. There's really no risk. And they're not going to care. They're not going to remember. 
But uh, if you if you are the person who shows up and you just happen to have exactly what they have been struggling with and, and you're there to to invite them into a relationship, they are going to appreciate you so much. And it's going to take the whole no like, and trust factor that can take years to build online. Like it'll be minutes or hours or days for them to, th- to, to really get a sense of who you are and to feel good, either supporting you being part of your programs, your offerings, or referring people to you. So yeah, there's, and I think we're going to see more and more this, this trend that if you can win the local game and build community in that sense while still doing online stuff, right? Do both. No, not saying you can't do both, but you don't have to focus on the online stuff. And uh, it's a very freeing realization. Um, and I think for a lot of people that are just, you know, not well suited to being on a computer for many hours a day, uh, it's going to be a lot more sustainable of a strategy uh, for them to do. I can hear one objection might being, well, I don't have a house that would be supportive to have, you know, 10, 20 people. So alternative routes might be to reach out to a local coffee shop, find their off hours, say, hey, I want to host something. Typically, coffee shops are not there anyway. It might be a pretty minimal fee to host it. So you might have to, you know, you're you're investing in the potential of, of the business and maybe have some food and snacks and things like that. So there might be that upfront cost, but there, there are ways to find those spaces for, for um, probably pretty reasonable um, compared to like renting out some like hall that's going to obviously be a lot of money. So yeah, just wanted to, to note that alternative, if your house is not conducive to a type of workshop that could host that many people. Yeah. And libraries are also really great for that. They're usually free um, as well. And they want people to do stuff, right? They want people to come in and use the space. So use, you know, what's already there and, uh, and yeah, you know, don't overthink it, just get into action, make it happen, try it once, see how you like it, you know, then go on from there. Brian, is there any other wisdom that you have to share to think someone starting out on their wellness coach, health coach, meditation guide, um, journey and sharing their gifts. Anything else come to mind? The biggest thing is, you know, just get started, right? Just get started. Even if you're doing it for free or you're doing it for testimonials when you first start. Um, and Alex Ramosi on YouTube has a really great breakdown of like, I think it's called your first five clients. Just do that process, um, which is reaching out to people in your network, letting them know what you're doing, offering to coach them or help them for free in exchange for a testimonial, um, and then repeating that process until you've got a whole bunch of testimonials and then you know adding a fee to it uh, and just rinse and repeat. And so um, it really is that simple in terms of know what you're offering, start offering it, right? Don't get discouraged if it doesn't go super smoothly at first. Embrace all the learning, right? And embrace, train yourself to that anytime you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling like, you know, um, you're struggling and you have to learn all these new things. Remind yourself that not only is that building character, but that's actually developing your brain in new ways. So both of those things are super healthy for you, right? It's like the, the, the struggle of lifting the weight the first time builds the stronger muscle. Um, and so you're going to have to do that uh, when it comes to your business. And uh, it's going to set you up for massive success over the long term and make it so that you're able to do things that most people would be terrified of. And it's just super easy for you. So, again, that comes back to that whole idea of freedom, um, but translating that into, you know, better effectiveness to actually get out there and help the people you're here to help. So, yeah, that would be that would be the the short and sweet of it to, to not overwhelm people with a whole bunch of stuff, but just get started. Just figure out how to get started and then uh, learn and iterate as you go. Simple, super helpful. Brian, this has been super fun. Time has went by way fast. (laughs) Like I could talk to you about more stuff. Um, So maybe tell us what are you working on now? Where can people find you? Any places you want to share or talk about? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're on social media, um, I'm pretty active on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram might be easier to find me as at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N-H-A-R-D-Y, the number seven, Brian Hardy seven on Instagram, Facebook, Brian Hardy. And uh, my website is revitalizedman.com. And again, I serve men primarily who want to build the lean, stronger, more energized, more resilient body. 
uh, and mind and life, you know, that they know is possible and that they really, in order to be the the better husband, the better entrepreneur, the better father um, or future father, they know that they have to pour into themselves. Um, and so those are the guys that I am best suited to support and to guide in that process. Um, and revitalizedman.com uh, is where you can find information on that. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find and would be more than happy to uh, hear from anyone listening, answer any questions. Yeah, and I, I really appreciated the opportunity to come on and to share. And similarly, I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, yeah, we could do many, many of these, I'm sure. Thanks, Brian. All right, until next time. See you later, friends. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I'll clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I'll clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. music you heard is a song called Nova by River Roots. Thank you so much for listening.